So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and generally, off to my left is Jean Victoria Norlock, and I suppose she's still off to my left, a uh, little to the front of due left. Due left, is that a direction? Anyway, um, but she's in her bed uh, trying to make friends with her cold virus. Uh, I spoke to her just briefly uh, before the show, and yeah, she's out of it. And so she's resting up to be sure that she's ready for Thursday evening. And uh, so since Jean and I usually banter for a couple of minutes before we uh, introduce our guest, I'm going to go ahead and promo that show. And then our good friend Jolene, whose version of Aquarius we play most shows, uh, is doing a deal with UNICEF and uh, asked us to highlight that. So I guess this is perfect because it gives me time without cutting into the banter time. Um, but Thursday evening, we're having uh, Stacy and her uh, non-physical friends, the professors, and lots of our family members, uh, past guests, uh, and and traditional uh, chat room members that will be calling in probably to uh, say hello, because uh, we're calling it New Age, New Age Eve, uh, a party 26,000 years in the making. So... You want to be sure and make it Thursday night for the for the live version and not just the podcast because if not you got to wait another twenty six thousand years and wow that's a wow um, and uh, good evening to everybody in the chat room Hawkeye James welcome um, yes poor Jean is playing with another cold virus she's got to quit. That, uh, so much talking about making friends with your virus and the, how they're poor and misunderstood and have short lives because she's like, you know, making friends with them and the words out on the street to the virus, viri, viruses, viri, um, that Jean wants to make friends. Let's all go to Jean's house. So but she's got to cut that out. Um, but... Um, and then our friend Jolene, the uh, UK-based musician that whose version of uh, Aquarius, the Age of Aquarius, uh, we've enjoyed playing uh, almost every episode since she sent it to us, because um, it's an interesting new version. One or two little word changes if you're really listening. 
but it's just a very cool version of the song. Uh, I like a lot of her work. And um, she has sent us her song, uh, what is it called? Where'd it go? I had it right here. Shadows of Light and Darkness, uh, which seems an appropriate title, considering the uh, our guest tonight and uh, the show tonight. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to play, it's a short uh, one minute and 20 second, uh, it's called a radio drop. Uh, so it's like a, like a commercial. Uh, it's her little promo, and you'll hear the song in the background, and then uh, when we get to our first break, I will play the complete song, because uh, I'm sure she's going to tell you on the drop, but uh, she's decided to take all of the 99 cents for each version, uh, each copy of the MP3 that sells, uh, whether it sells through Amazon or CD Baby or wherever it sells, she'll take that full 99 cents and, and send it to UNICEF. Uh, so very, very cool stuff. And, uh, you know, these independent musicians that we have on the show that invite in and become part of our family, they're just all, they all seem to be up to such cool stuff. So anyway, here's Jolene telling us about her uh, pledge for UNICEF. Uh, and um, I think it was Audrey Hepburn that was a big ambassador for UNICEF. Uh, anyway, here's Jolene. We'll be uh, back in about one minute and 20 seconds with tonight's guest. Hello everyone, I'm Jolene. I would like to let you know that I have created a fundraising campaign for the children's fund UNICEF. I have chosen to donate all the earnings of my song, Shadows of Light and Darkness. You can help the campaign by sharing and buying this single. You can find the single on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby and many other stores. Just simply digit Jolene for UNICEF on your browser and you will find all the links required. This Christmas and New Year 2013, together we can make a big difference to change the lives of these innocent children and people. Every contribution is precious. Remember, Jolene for UNICEF. Merry Christmas, everyone. All right, so that was our buddy Jolene, and uh, we'll have links up on our uh, uh, archive uh, after the show as well. But as she said, you can just put in Jolene UNICEF. Uh, they've got it up on UNICEF's website. She, of course, has it on her website, which is Jolene, J-O-E-L-E-E-N, world.com, joleneworld.com. Uh, be forewarned if you go during the show that there's like music that suddenly blares out from her page. So you've been warned. So we have with us tonight a uh, uh, interesting gentleman who I think has got an interesting story of his own. Uh, plus he's penned an interesting story, and uh, that would be the uh, uh, rumored by the title uh, "Black Mariachi." 
And he's going to tell us all about that and all about himself and how he got there and what, I don't know. We'll, as usual, find out. But since Jean's not here to ask her traditional first question that she gets punished about if she doesn't ask uh, or modifies for people, uh, although we do every once in a while. But since she's not here, I'll try to do my best, Jean, Victoria Norlock, and and say, um, so... Who the hell are you, and what do you do? <laughs> well, I'm John Williams, not the guy that wrote all the great music, but I'd love to have his music set to my story. Uh, I'm John uh, John Williams, live in southern Utah, uh, right around Science Park, and I've written uh, written a few uh, books. But this is my first right out there novel, and the name of it is The Black Mariachi, and it's uh, it's not really about the Black Mariachi. Uh, it's a legend, a Mexican legend that kind of, uh, oh, he's a guy like our Grim Reaper. He shows up when it's time for you to die. Ah. Yes, that's what the Black Mariachi does. But um, So I've, I've used that, but it's really about um, the change, the energy that that we expect the change to happen here at the, at the end of the... Uh, of the uh, fifth world that the Mayan calendar was about and that the Hopi uh, prophecy rock was about. And I have taken some of the Indian legends and woven them in with the Mayan, uh, the Mayan long count calendar and come up with a, a fairly interesting novel. And I'm getting some good feedback from it. And I don't know what else you need to know. Uh, you tell me, Rick. Oh, well, uh, it is an interesting uh, – I, I was glad to hear how that connection works because from what I could read on the on the liner notes and the information that I had, uh, I, it didn't seem to me like the lead character in the story or any of the characters that I could see from what I read about were black or mariachis. <laughs> um, and, uh, but this takes place in the American Southwest uh, or – Starts there anyway, uh, does it? Yes, it's all across and, the American Southwest and into Mexico, and even even ends up down in uh, in uh, Venezuela. Ah, Venezuela. Um, yeah. Because you've uh, lived, you're you're in Southern Utah, but you've lived and worked in in uh, several spots in the Southwest, and uh, uh, what's this Mesa? Uh, is it Mesa Community College? Uh, this Mojave. Mojave Community College. College. Yes, I taught. Uh, I've taught drama, a couple other classes there with the with the community college, and I've taught high school for two or three years. But mostly, I've been a superintendent for construction firms, and a lot of our work was uh, was work for the the reservations. I've worked on quite a few of the uh, the different reservations around the West. And kind of kept my eyes open. Uh, it's always been a little hobby of mine, studying uh, the the early uh, American Indian, and especially what we call the Anasazi. Uh, and I, I don't I don't really like that term because I don't think it's accurate. But I, that's in my book. But mostly, uh, this book is set w- with a group of guys that are doing. Uh, 
treasure hunting. They're they're looking for uh, for old gold deposits, and they come on some things that have a definite pattern, and it, they finally figure out that they're they're a copy of uh, of one of the the stars, one of our uh, constellations, and they they're pretty baffled by that, and. This eventually leads them into into magnetic study and energy and realizing that that this Mayan um, long count calendar had everything to do with these deposits, these gold deposits that they found. And so it's a pretty interesting book. I've had really good feedback. I even got uh, one query from uh, from a gentleman that that is tied up with the. Um, the uh, production company that did Pirates of the Caribbean. He likes the story, and they're trying to look for a part for an old old character. I have a really crusty old uh, uh, prospector kind of guy that they were thinking maybe Tommy Lee Jones could fit in, and I've got my fingers crossed on that one. Well, now that would be grand. But, but the, the interesting thing is, is that my book doesn't even release. The national release is on February 5th. Right and so and so getting it on Amazon and and you know Barnes and Noble and everywhere that it's available is uh, is difficult right now. I have a lot of copies, but they also have the thing available on my publisher's uh, online bookstore, and so anybody could could go there and get and get a copy of it either ebook or or the regular book form. Right, but it's, it's a it's a unique story, and it's generated quite a lot of interest. Uh, the biggest setback is that we're looking at the solstice here in a few days, and my book is centered around that. So it kind of has a short uh, shelf life, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. But it's still an interesting book, and, and my my attitude is this isn't a, ma- uh, a magic moment like a nuclear flash. I mean, we're not going to have anything that happens just instantaneously it's going to be a slow deterioration like everything right right and and we'll just gradually realize that we're leaving the old behind and then the new is coming on and so we we often talk about it being a a 36 year transition yeah see i didn't know that but i I uh, on the show we 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 took that from uh cryon that uh lee carroll channels uh but uh, his is based on astronomy, so you can actually go and and, and check it out. And mm-hmm. this rift, this dark spot, uh, that in what we call the Milky Way, that right. our sun and us when, that we're lining up with, we actually like cross the edge. It's a it's like a rift. It's not a spot. It's a, a wide. Even looking in the sky, you can see the width of the rift. And yes. It so we crossed into it 18 years ago, and we don't cross out of it until 18 years from now. But this is as close. This is roundabouts the midpoint. So since it's a solstice and all sorts of other things, might as well call it the marker spot. But uh, but that it's a process like anything else, and and I think that's important to uh, to bring up as often as we can. That you know don't. Don't everybody give up if you wake up on the 22nd and it looks a lot like the 21st and the 20th, and, you know. Yeah. yeah, it might still be happening around us. We don't know. Yeah, and, um, you know, the uh, old energy structures of which 
you know, society sort of hovers around, or that hover around society, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, are dissolving but uh, because they're losing their energetic support. But they have a tendency like, oh, I don't know, like a mariachi on the end of a noose. They have a tendency to twitch for a while mm-hmm. and, and, and kick and scream and yell and throw a hissy fit. So uh, there could still be a little hissy fitness, a little hissy fitness. But... Um, you mentioned the Anasazi. Uh, I would love if you would, uh, uh, since that's a particular interest of yours, if you would uh, talk with us a little bit about the Anasazi for those that may not uh, be familiar with their story. I think people have become familiar with the fact that, archaeologically speaking, the Maya just kind of went away. Uh, uh, but the Anasazi practically vaporized. I mean, they just were gone one day sort of, weren't they? Yes, they showed up uh, all about six or seven hundred years B.C., and they were they were gone by 1100 after. They they didn't stay in the in the Midwest. They just left behind their pueblos and their buildings, their kivas, all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, historians, I am not like an expert historian or humanitarian or any of that. I'm an author. So I've I've looked at um research, I've looked at a few things to, for my book. But but one of the things that that I that I disagree with them about is that that every Indian what we call Indians, the pueblos and every other Indian all descended from some uh migration from Mongol Mongolia across the Bering Strait on ice and that's that's kind of what most histor- historians tell us about that and a few drifted on down the coast and some of the more peaceful ones became what they call the Anasazi and the ones that weren't so peaceful became uh the Aztec and Apache uh, and other the more warlike tribes but when now they have done DNA studies and haplogroupings that that prove that different ones of these tribes came from different heritage, different sources. Even the Mayan, uh, they can't tell for sure where they came from. They don't have enough European trappings around them to say that they came from, you know, Carthage or Phoenicia or Egypt or or Israel, as the Book of Mormon says. Uh, right. They they could have come from from. Uh, Atlantis, that's one theory that a few of them escaped from there and that's where they came from and it's why their culture is so foreign to us. It, we, you know, it doesn't match in with the European setup. But the Anasazi particularly were very, very uh, agrarian. They didn't war at all. <laughs> they just grew corn and maybe a little meat and counted the stars. They were all very, very into the stars. So were the Mayans, so were the Zapotecs, a lot of the a lot of the Indians all down the coast, clear into Mexico and down to South America. But the, the Anasazi Indian are the ones that, that the Spanish after they came they came ashore, you know, with the Olmecs and had their deal with, with the Aztec Indian, they came on up north and ran into Pueblo based Indians and the and the uh the ruins mostly of, of this uh, this culture. Uh, 
and it's surprised scientists and historians for you know ever since. These people were very, very advanced and yet very backward at the same time. Right. And they just disappeared, gone. And and it it wasn't like you know there were some teepees set up and then now they were gone somewhere else. It yeah. they had very elaborate uh, towns, cities, pueblos, um, and uh, lined up so they could see down valleys to other stations. And I mean, I mean, it was a very in in ways advanced society. At least it seems. Looking yeah, at the their, their engineering. Their engineering was incredibly advanced, and some some people claim that they had uh, they had abilities, energy abilities, or magnetic ability to you know move the large stones, to stack things, do things that they weren't as primitive as we want to believe. And uh, and so I've gone into this this idea of the Anasazi. And one of the things, the cornerstone of my my novel, is based on what they call the Hopi, the Hopi rock prophecy. And it is a, a petroglyph that's carved into a, a cliff or a rock face down at uh, Oribe, at Second Mesa, down on the um, on the Navajo and Hopi reservation, mm-hmm. south of uh, oh my gosh, south of Page, a ways, and north of Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. Out, on, out on the reservation. Now, in Aribe, what they call Old Aribe, the uh, the uh, archaeologists that have looked at all of this declare that that is the oldest of all Anasazi uh, communities and buildings. That it, that everything that the Anasazi were came from there and centered off of this this mesa, this plateau, this Old Aribe town. And they have this prophecy, which is basically just a carving in the side of the cliff. But but the prophecy depicts um, a series of what they call worlds. And they have us living in the fifth world right now in a certain line that, that ends, <laughs> ends on the very same day, the solstice, that's uh, coming up here in three or four days. Right. It ends the same day that the Mayan calendar ended, the same day that other uh, information uh, in England in crop circles and even in Egypt depict this ending. And so it's not a destruction of the earth. What it is is it's an ending of an era. Right. Right. If, if... And we're we're going to we're going to see maybe some maybe some destruction because there are going to be magnetic uh, influences. Maybe this Jupiter alignment will cause some kind of, of magnetic uh, interference. And that's what my book is about: is a uh, the the old prophecy at Aribe claims that the magnetic poles will flip; they literally shift upside down. Well, scientists claim this happens every five thousand one hundred and twenty-five years, exactly. Right. And that and that works out to be the the Bactunes that that make up the twenty-six thousand year uh, procession. Right. The the solstice this year, the Mayan calendar would be thirteen dot zero dot zero dot zero, and I think one more dot zero. 
And the last time that it was that date was 5,125 years ago. Exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's, it's very interesting. This is actually going to happen. And they say, well, every time that it happened, we, the polarity of the planet changes. And it can cause a little bit of a, a processional wobble. A little bit of, you know, it doesn't take very much shaking on this earth to cause a lot of a lot of destruction if that happens. Right. It, it could be as simple as as a magnetic uh, disturbance in our in our atmosphere that's that's brought about because of the alignment of the sun, Earth, and Jupiter, and that all happens right on the solstice as part of this this Milky Way galactic cross that you talked about. So those are the things that I researched and came up with and wrote my novel around all of that and what is true and what isn't. <laughs> right, right. Because if we anyone can, can really guess, uh, but, uh, but scientists can look at uh, magnetic deposits in rock, and uh, and particularly in in, in riverbeds and things, they can they can look and see the direction of the poles uh, through mm -hmm. history and and and. And so we know that this has been going on, that it's gone on before. And uh, uh, I think it was about eight months ago, there was an article in the BBC, and I think they mentioned it briefly on one news broadcast in the U.S., but there was a big article about it in the BBC that they had to relabel the airport runways down in Florida because the... Magnetic North had moved so far that that the runways were like twelve degrees off, so they had to re relabel them because it was people were not lining up correctly with the runways. Yeah, they have a they have a I don't know if it's a ley line or a magnetic force field that goes through part of Florida. That uh, <clears throat> you've heard of the Coral Castle? Have you heard of that construction this old fella did? Yeah. Okay, I wrote some of that into my book, too. I found out about it. And, and by himself, I mean, he's just out there, heartbroken guy from Latvia or somewhere, uh, came over here, and he built this magnificent, huge stone uh, outdoor castle with with uh, sunstones and moonstones, things that he had figured out some way of using magnetic energy to create this. And then he found out that the government was going to tax him where he was sitting, and he had some other property, so he moved it. This boy moved it like 20, 20 miles, uh, you know, overnight, 30-ton 30, 30 rocks, things yeah. like that. Yeah, It's fascinating. And so it's still there, and um, somehow he had locked on to the idea that there is an energy field, and he was able to use it. And that's a little bit of what my book is about. It just takes two or three of these ideas and tries to tries to interwine them together to show that we can and and should try to find energy that is not petroleum based or energy that can be um, what captured by corporate. Uh, the, the world has created most of its trouble through the idea of cornering the energy. Energy right. more. Scarcity. What happened from from religious competition and from uh, energy competition. This whole idea of scarcity. Exactly, and uh, you know, and then, religion they have hell, but you know, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the scarcity of we, we, you know, we we might run out. But, we might run out. 
Yeah. Part of part of my my uh, idea through through the novel is is that by by finding this energy and getting it getting it working, we stabilize the magnetic interference. And so it's a really fascinating read. People will enjoy it. It's not that scientific. It's it's just it's just interesting. But I I took a, kind of the idea, you know, Dan Brown when he did uh, when he did his novels of, of symbology. You've read right. some of his? Sure, sure. Uh, he caused quite a quite a flap in the religious world, you know, claiming that Jesus Christ had a wife and children, and and the Catholic Church was trying to destroy that influence and destroy the influence, and that they knew it and had proof and, of the mother, and yeah, they had all this, and certain people um, wrote it into their works, like Da Vinci, and you know, he he took this and kind of. Kind of started a cult following. He's got a lot of people mad at him. Well, but he sell the books. Well, but taking some historical material and then embellishing it, creating exactly. a story around it, really isn't that far from what archaeologists do. They, well, I appreciate you saying that. Well, they look is. at a couple of pot shards and the leftovers of a fire and the outline of a building, and then they tell you these people's religious beliefs and. It, it's everything, a stretch. Everything about them, where they came from, and what they could and couldn't do. Yeah, and, it's a big stretch. And, and and then another expert comes along and challenges that. And so, you know, it goes on and on, and then you finally get the DNA war that says, no, these guys are all wrong. This is a whole different thing. Yeah, these people didn't come from – we know what the ones that came from Mongolia, what their DNA looks like, and this isn't, these aren't them. Yeah, yeah they, they probably stayed up there in, uh, in, in Alaska and, you know <laughs> – well, and if you, I, I, not to be racial about things, but if you look at Inuit Indians in Alaska, they look like Mon the people in Mongolia. They, they have the same features, the same foreheads, the same skin color, everything about it. Everything about it. But the Indians of the Southwest don't at all. They're, and, and you say, well, environment changed them. I doubt it. The not that fast. The environment up in an igloo <laughs> didn't change them, did it? No, not much, and it certainly seems more extreme. And so my my theory is is wherever they came from, and there were a lot of different ones. I mean, I I, I accept the idea that there is not one um, one heritage that they all derive from. They came from a lot of different places, and DNA will prove that. And so you know, the Indians in the north uh, the northeast around the Great Lakes, they're completely different. DNA structure than the Indians of the Plains and and the Western, what we call the Anasazi. They're different. And so I wanted to use this is that wherever they came from, they had certain knowledge that we have all lost. And, uh, and so I've used the Kiva as an idea of where they came from, the underground uh, room that the elders get in, right. and figure out what's going on. And, uh, and my attitude is that's a better way to go than what we have today. People people uh, take their pot someplace else and cause trouble and try to drive and whatever else they do. If they're down in a kiva, it might not be so bad. Yeah, it might not be as bad. Uh, you know, it's interesting uh, because you, you started when I asked you about the Anasazi with, you know, I'm not an archaeologist or a, I'm, a, I'm an author. Uh, but I I propose that 
I, what I said earlier, I'm not really kind of stretching or, or, or kidding about that. These guys make this stuff up. Well, um, they they make it up based on their best estimates. They're certainly educated guesses. I'm not dismissing right. the study that they've put into a lot of things. But, you know, they base one thing on another and 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 they look at stuff and they say oh well i recognize that that's a comb maybe it is maybe it didn't i don't know mm-hmm. we we don't really i i propose that we don't you can't necessarily apply what's the appearance of something today to the appearance of something then and say it's the same thing necessarily uh you know with especially with civilizations where we don't have a lot of writing and things you know uh ancient egypt they produced letters that people wrote to each other and you know uh stuff that talks a little more about daily life but otherwise you just don't know and um there's an interesting book and i'll put the link on the archive i don't want to i don't want to get off on this too far i want to stick around with the subject here but so it's a book that was written by uh a fellow named robert nathan and uh, 1960 was when the first edition came out. And it, the title of the book is just The Weans. Uh, and it looks like Weans, W-E-A-N-S, The Weans. And it's literally the story of some archaeologists in the distant future that have dug up Washington, D.C. And <laughs> part of the carvings inside the big monuments that they find are, of course, have been obliterated over time. And so, of course, there's stories about the people that tried to obliterate parts of history by obliterating those parts of what was carved on the walls when it was just age. Uh, But, you know, a very interesting story that he's written about, and it all fits the scientific method as applied by archaeologists Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know the Weans, that's what that's what those people referred to themselves as. It was right there on the walls. We the people, right? Uh, it's a we. That's what we called we called each other we, because of course in their language in the distant future we is not like us. It's not a word. And uh, uh, you know we worship this. Lincoln character and Washington mm. character. There are a couple of our gods, and oh, it's very, very interesting story. But right, but fits. You know, there's not a violation one of if you turned it into an archaeology department somewhere. There's not a violation one of the investigational procedure, and um, so that should tell people something about. I'm not saying you know. There's a lot of people who want to talk about a big controversy to hide our history. And, eh. Maybe yes, maybe no. I, I don't think it really matters. I I think it's easy enough to just say, come on, people, they're guessing. It's an educated guess, but they're guessing. Exactly. They made up a story that fits what they see, and they but they see very little, and they're looking at it with eyes that don't live the exactly. same. So, well, one of one of the things, Rick, that is, has intrigued me in the study of this is their knowledge of of uh, galactic movement, their knowledge of the earth and what it does. And and you think, well, one guy sits up on a hill. 
for 365 days and charts all of this stuff, and now they know. And it's worked like that. They had to do this over a process of a lot of years to develop this calendar and develop what what is happening and how it happens. But they knew more about, uh, you know, the Pleiades, which is, is the Earth center right up above, above the Earth. They knew more about that than we know. They knew more about uh, the galactic center than we know. And some of that would would uh, would lend uh, uh, archaeologists, historians, to say uh, th- there are alien influences here. These people know too much to have been originated here on the Earth. Right. And and uh, and so there's that whole argument too, where these people suddenly show up. They barely can exist in the harshest of, of circumstances. And the one history I was reading says, well, a drought came along, and so they all drifted off south and disappeared. And I look at the map, and, and if you went south from Gallup, New Mexico, and Chaco Canyon uh, to try to find water, there's something really wrong with you. I mean, you're not Yeah, that's, that's the wrong way. <laughs> you know? Uh, you you wouldn't go very far before you got the – picture it was the wrong way it seems to me we're going the wrong way and they turn around and head and head north you know try to find more water but but the whole concept that they just disappeared um lends itself to the alien concept of why they built the roads the way they did why things lined up exactly they have underneath the surface at chaco canyon uh roads that they have discovered with uh with remote viewing, they have uh, sidebar-type radars that they can view beneath the surface and see the, the, hard, the hard surface of roadways that, from the air, what in the world were those people trying to build? So there's that part of it, too. Did they fly, or were they putting something together so that they could get picked up? It's, it's very, very fascinating. Right. Right, it, it because they sort of seem to have come from nowhere and went nowhere. Exactly. Like the Mayans, the Mayans. people that crashed and then finally got picked up. Yeah, they had to survive in, in caves because of the heat and the way things were at the time. And so this whole idea of the Sipapu and the, the Kiva and them living in holes and they came out, which is what all of the Hopi and Navajo legends claim. That's how That's where they originated from. They have the story of old Spider Woman, you know, and and they lived in they lived in the in the earth, and finally decided they had a growing season. They come out and get some things going and and got some crops, and then they built these magnificent structures for no reason at all. These roadways, uh, they have a roadway a roadway between um, uh, Chichen Itza and Koba, down on the Yucatan, that has has baffled scientists since since they discovered it in the jungle. I mean, this is a fascinating highway, but its, it's structure is all about uh, view from the air. Right. Because those, those backward Indians sure didn't need something like that. They you didn't have think. <laughs> so so it, that's a little of what I've tried to write into into my novel, and it's more stuff. I have my sequel to this is, is the Mekong Merkaba, which goes on to explain a lot more about what this magnetic influence is and trying to trying to figure out 
uh, an alternate energy. And it's not just going and trying to build uh, wind turbines and solar batteries and spending all of our money <laughs> closing down oil wells and coal mines. <laughs> you can tell what I think about that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of people that believe that Tesla's work was successful. and Exactly. The, but the reason that they didn't want to have wireless transmission was because as soon as you built a receiver, it started receiving, even though there wasn't a transmitter built yet. And where's it? Oh, wow. It right. power and it's free. We can't control anybody with that. If, if it's already on some kind of some kind of pattern or geometric ley line or something that we haven't discovered yet, it would be kind of a cool thing. Uh, I was noticing yeah. you posted you posted a, a article about an, an algae um, an algae factory that actually create power. Yeah, yeah, they they use a layer of water uh, through which your wastewater goes. Algae grows in there, so it acts as uh, and and the algae generates biofuel. So mm-hmm. that fuels your other fuel needs for the house. It's also your insulation because it's a thick wall of water and algae mm-hmm. um and um uh so it's a symbiotic relationship you they eat but, your waste and and give you back fuel just possible that they had some kind of energy source like this you know that we don't know anything about it's destroyed between the sun and plant life they were able to do it and uh so my my theory in in the book and you know the whole black mariachi uh idea is centered around around the discovery of uh, of an energy field that they they get it energized. It's what the black mariachi does. Is it helps energize it to the point of stabilizing any kind of magnetic slippage or interference. It keeps these poles from flipping, and that's what the old Indian legend says. So it, it's a fascinating read. It's fun to watch how they do it how they stop it from happening. I'm curious to see what's going to happen in four days. I want to be on when you, when you have your little 21st party. Oh, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be grand because, uh, you know, there've been, there's been a lot going on and, and, um, and, and I have reached the point where there's a lot of things like the Superstorm Sandy and, and then this mess that's just happened at Sandy Hook Elementary. Exactly. Um, I, I see them a little differently than I once would have, and uh, I don't talk about it much because it sometimes sounds a little callous. But uh, uh, you know, you take a society that's so distracted with their TV, stereos, cell phones, this, that, and the other thing, knock out their power and their utilities and their communication network, so they can't go to work, they can't have any demands on their time, they can't figure out how to occupy their time. They're going to be alone with themselves, maybe mm-hmm. for the first time in a very long time. And um, that's certainly a way to get people's attention. I'd rather, you know, do a storm than a massacre. But exactly, big, big shocks, big shocks are sometimes, you know, it's true. And, you know, the the, uh, the Hopi, the Hopi rock prophecy that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. One of the the most interesting things about it is live in the sixth world. Uh, are an agrarian society. They're very um, uh, interwoven with each other's feelings. They're more of a heart-centered than brain-driven kind of people. And 
the the greed and corporate uh, advantage, the things that that we live in that are that are tearing our our nation, and uh, and you know the the interaction between other nations. I guess the China and tearing our world really. Yeah, that's coming up. It's going to be pretty pretty climactic uh, because it's all about devaluing the dollar, trying to get supremacy in in import and shipping and manufacture. Corporations are are what are what is destroying us. Rather, we we don't we don't work together to a common goal, which is is survive, plant, watch the sun, work with the seasons, because we don't have to. But if we if we get in a situation where we have to, that becomes more important than any other thing. Right. And, oh, and, by far. Yeah. So the sixth world has more of that of that to it, and that's what we're on the on the edge of. And I, you know, I I don't uh, you know I use this doomsday thing more as as a element in the book. Yeah. You know, in the novel, but. But what what really is what we're talking about is this this change. You don't feel it, you don't see it, but it's a change. And I and I point at it like uh, like, like that still moment between night and the starting of a new day. Right. There is this this time when one thing dies and another thing is born, and that moment is what we're we're on the threshold of. Uh, in, in my opinion, and I, I think that it's not going to be a big thing that we see and we, we know about, or we have volcanoes and earthquakes all around us and all of these things, it's going to be a lot slower and it's slowly, you know, all of a sudden we're going to realize that if we don't, if we don't start to do that, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be destroyed just because of our, our own, uh, it's like you said, our own inability to look at the real things in life, it's all about our iPhones and our uh, our communication. Well, and, our, and and you know, like anything, there's there's good parts to it. Global communication has allowed a lot of the realization of, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> I think the fix is in around here. Uh, exactly. uh, you you go back to these old societies, Rick. Every one of them knew the same thing. Oh yeah. Oh it yeah. If it was Stonehenge, Egypt, uh, somewhere in China, uh, every one of them had the same information, the same dates, and the same interest in galactic movement. Yeah, so, and, and, yeah. and so there's got to be something. Exactly. In, in in some cases, you're talking about societies that weren't just separated by thousands of miles. They were separated by thousands of years. Exactly. So there isn't any way they were talking to each other exactly. But somehow that communication still got got made. Yeah, and 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 there's some interesting stuff that's been put forward recently by uh, oh goodness, what's his name? He's on the Discovery Channel often. Uh, he's a British. He he was a a foreign correspondent, and then he got real interested in in the countries that he was corresponding from, and now he's a uh, archaeologist. I'll think of his name because I want to talk when we when we come back just a little about that. Uh, what your thoughts are on that phenomenon of people thousands of years and thousands of miles apart having the same information, uh, because he puts forward that he thinks uh, that it was um, he has uh, Graham Hancock is his name. Uh, okay. He has of 
uh, well, for almost 10 years now and hasn't really talked about it much until recently, uh, been having occasional uh, ayahuasca adventures in Peru. And he has seen in those states some of the things that are painted on cave paintings that he was that he's seen in different parts of the world that were thousands of years apart and and I know that some other folks we we just had Angela on talking about some of her work in Peru uh, and that you know right with her eyes closed she could see the star but but she could see the constellations that drawn around the stars and things mm-hmm. um so it's a very interesting theory that he's put forward that he believes that these uh, uh, shaman priests, wise folks uh, of of all these various and sundry at, at different times and different places, you know, used these uh, entheogen plants and and went to the same place where they all got the same information. Right. And um, it's kind of an interesting thought he's he he jumps from hallucination to they all went to some other dimension and it was all to the same one because they all got the same stuff um ah there's bill inner child radio welcome bill um so let's have a quick break and um uh, we're going to play jolene's song shadows of light and darkness uh certainly have shadows of light and darkness dancing around in this story and in this reality down here uh so very cool song to have coming and and remember uh her uh unicef project where the full proceeds of these sales not just the after-tax profits but the full proceeds of 99 cents from every copy of shadows of light and darkness that sells uh is going to unicef uh because she's disturbed that there's she doesn't see any reason there should be hungry children in the modern world i'm I tend to agree with her. So anyway, here's our good friend. Uh, uh, well, we have a, a little word from Jean first, and then uh, a song from Jolene, and we'll be back in, uh, oh, about five minutes. Stay with us, folks. Everybody has a story, a moment in their life that was a turning point that set them upon a path of self-discovery and adventure. Here at Everyday Connection, we value the sharing of those moments, recognizing them to be the inspiring and uplifting gifts that they truly are. We would like to show our appreciation, not just to our guests and sponsors, but to our listeners and supporters who make it possible for us to share those stories. If you would like to support the continued success of Everyday Connection, share your own story, or know somebody whose story can touch the hearts of others, drop by everydayconnection.me and find out how you can become a part of our ever-expanding EC family.
Hello everyone, I'm Jolene. I would like to let you know that I have created a fundraising campaign for the Children's Fund UNICEF. I have chosen to donate all the earnings of my song, Shadows of Light and Darkness. You can help the campaign by sharing and buying this single. You can find the single on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby and many other stores. Just simply digit Jolene for UNICEF on your browser and you will find all the links required. This Christmas and New Year 2013, together we can make a big difference to change the lives of these innocent children and people. Every contribution is precious. Remember, Jolene for UNICEF. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. That was our good friend Jolene, uh, that we usually play her song Aquarius on most of the shows, but tonight it was Shadows of Light and Darkness, and I've got the CD Baby link up in the chat room, and it'll be on the archive of the show that'll be up uh, late tonight or first thing in the morning. Uh, So look for that. And uh, speaking of links, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, that your publisher is the only place they can get the book right now. It will, of course in February, be released on Amazon. They already have the, uh, I, I guess, Kindle version listed with a, this will be released, but you can pre-order. But you can get it now from, uh, and that's Tate Publishing? Yes, Tate Publishing, their online bookstore, and I can give you the long, long version of it if anybody wants to write this down. <clears throat> I've got uh, I've got the link, the direct link up in the uh, uh chat room and it of course will be on the archive of the show uh for our podcast listeners um uh tatepublishing.com is the is the place and you can search for black mariachi and he'll come up in their bookstore or yeah, it should come up and I can give you the actual number if there's a problem um the actual book number if the actual want. ISBN number yes yeah okay hit it's, us with it what hit us with it okay it starts with an equal, and I don't know why, but it's 978-162-1477-334. And that's the, uh, that's the location number, and it should go right in on, on the, uh, the online bookstore. With, if, you, if you hunt down that number, you can get a book or even a Kindle. You can get your, e, your e-book download from them. Absolutely. And, and then on the fifth, of course... That it, they say it takes that long to to line up all of their distributors and their book wholesale, you know, to get everything together for the big release. And so I've got a bunch of books. They have a bunch, but but we don't have them out uh, in the distribution system yet. Right, right. I'm, I'm sure that uh, our good friend Bill, uh, just Bill, uh, William S. Peters, uh, senior, is in the chat room this evening and he's a publisher so uh, I'm sure he is familiar with the pains and strains of getting through to Amazon and everybody uh, even once something's put together uh, right. this takes a little while but um, but you guys can get it now from uh, Tate Publishing and uh, uh, 
like I said, the, the direct link to the page is there and will be on our archive at everydayconnection.me uh, after the show. Uh, but uh, the ISBN number can find it for you almost anywhere. And it actually, I searched the ISBN number earlier and Tate Publishing and your promotional video on YouTube both came up. That's terrific. Yeah, we so, put some stuff up up on on YouTube and Facebook, and so uh, it's out there. And if you if you can't get it, uh, boy, I'll I'll send you one because <laughs> it's a pretty good read. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that, in fact, I can give you my email, and uh, anybody could could write me up if they want uh, if they want to sure. talk about it. Or uh, my email is uh, J M Q U I X O T E. At yahoo.com. All right, that's J.M. Quixote. J.M. Quixote, yeah. Yes, yeah, tilting at windmills at yahoo.com. That's me, boy. I tell yes. you, I, I don't just tilt at him. Well, that was when I knew that we had the right John Williams for the show, was when I saw your email address. I was like, yeah, see, I, I, I like that. I know uh, that, but it was out there somewhere. And, uh, uh, I used to stress everybody when when Bill first virtually met me. I I never used anything but my uh, realtor headshot. I used to be a real estate agent, and so I had a headshot in a blue pinstripe suit with a red tie, uh, short hair, clean shaven, very Republican looking. And uh, it used to really stress people sometimes because their friends would say, "You need to meet Rick." And then they'd look at my profile, and my profile picture was always public, and it'd be like, "No, no, not him." Yeah. It's like a scientist of some kind here. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He can't. No. Um, and I actually have up on for our New Age Eve get together uh, since it's Stacy and. Jean and I, and Jean says even if she's got to take cold medicine until she's loopy, she's going to make it to the show. Um, that might be all the more interesting. Yeah, that could be reason enough right there. Uh, she <laughs> usually has a glass of wine with the show. It's half wine, half water, but still. Uh, put cold that syrup with, with that. Syrup and you can really have some fun. But um, uh and we may run into overtime, as uh, our regular listeners are used to. We schedule two hours for each one of our shows because um, if we only scheduled the 90 minutes, Blog Talk is really, they're on the clock. And uh, uh, Bill's show always runs the full two hours. And, and I've many times has Bill or or even a guest been in the middle of a sentence and and it makes a horrible sound too when blog talk hangs up on everybody. Um, so but the break obviously came at the right time. I noticed I noticed your voice cut in and out just a couple of times right in the five minutes before the break and then sure enough not before the little promo shot from Gene was over with, and I was playing Jolene's music. I'd lost him. And well, I'm glad you found me. We had a phone number, and as we almost didn't find each other, I lost him for a long time. I was supposed to send him an email, and it's funny. I it was show night or something, so I didn't want to do it that night. I said I'd do it in the morning, and there was right. this little voice in the back of my head that said, "You don't talk to Gene on the phone every morning anymore. She's not going to be there to ask you if you remember." 
And, and I was like, oh, I'm a big kid. I can remember. Yeah, right. Not so much on the big kid thing, I guess. Well, on, on my end, uh, they were reworking my uh, my Mozilla Fox hookup. They were doing some stuff on it, so it's been off all day, but it, it got back in time to do this, so that was great. That's that's excellent, and uh, that often happens, and when, then we lose people, too, sometimes. we One guest, we blew up his router. The cable company had to come put a new one. Uh, and and in Jean's house in in uh, Montreal, before she moved out to the mountains, they had to rewire her. Uh, the wires from the pole to the house got replaced three times. So uh, we can be rough on communications. We get energy swirling around through these things sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Pretty crazy. But uh, um, so. Uh, the Black Mariachi. That's that's the like the Mexican version of the Grim Reaper. Uh, yeah, basically it it has that that kind of legend story to it. They have this uh, this character, you know, which is basically a skeleton in a in a mariachi costume, uh, marches in their Day of the Dead uh, uh, festivities, kind of a ghoulish Halloween Mardi Gras thing they do. And uh, so that that shows up in the book. I mean, I've I've crossed crossed over the title, but the you know the the cover of the book is not well. You know, we've all heard you can't can't read the book by the cover, right? So it's not about death and ghouls and and you know scary stuff. It's about a stone, a stone that that helps. Um, Combine and bundle energy waves, sound waves, and and because it makes a sound, uh, they call it you know the singing rock, and it ends up becoming the black mariachi. So that's where that came from. That's that's beautiful. When it yeah, the Day of the Dead and Halloween and that whole that's uh, according to a number of channels that I'm familiar with. That's the celebration of the day that Atlantis died. The, the and that, that could be. The day that the biggest strike, you know, it was a it was a process. It didn't happen like... Mm-hmm. There was a big part that happened in a day and a night, but uh, things had been rough for a while. Um, and But the, the asteroidal impact happened on mm-hmm. uh, October 31st. So November 1st, Everybody was dead, and that's uh, yeah, you know, that's a lot of what, you know, the rumor has been out there for years. You know that the Mayans predicted the end of life as we know it, and you know everybody's going to die. This end of days thing is in every religion. Huh. <laughs> it shows up, you know, every comet. Nostradamus had to take his shot at it, you know. Um, the Sumerians clear back have some kind of blue rider on a on a horse with a comet we you know with a big tail out behind it mm. it was some kind of blue comet and yet nasa can't find any of this stuff no no anywhere uh if there is going to be a disturbance it will be something magnetic and it'll be down on on a molecular level i mean Cause there'll the, be some kind of ion change the and, sumerians were talking about a blue comet the the hopi talked about a blue the blue kachina right Lucachina, and, and that uh, shows up in my book. <laughs> and it, it 
I now, think that that was a, a, a fair possibility, but that uh, somewhere along in the between the nuclear crises of the 60s and the missiles of October and the fall of the Soviet Union that happened just relatively speaking overnight, mm-hmm. um, we decided we weren't going to do that. Well, I hope that's what we decided. <laughs> and well, this is my belief that I've synthesized from things. I'm 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 espousing again, people. Sorry, I soapbox a little bit now and again. But um, you know that there's a reason that there were a lot of prophecies about the end of the world because we probably were going to do it with our very own nuclear right. bombs, our own technology. And uh, and we came pretty close. We came close a couple of times that people don't even know about. Or at least that aren't mm-hmm. talked about much. People that, I mean, the information is no no longer hidden or top secret. It's out there, but, um, you know, the, the, just the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, all it would have taken yeah. really is one itchy fingered somebody somewhere. And, and that was right close to us. I mean, and was, you know, our our guys, right. our military experts were saying, you know, the the you know, it's a centralized thing the Russians. So they'll have to get permission from Moscow to be able to fire and that wasn't true. The field commanders had permission. So, yeah, we were we got really close and well, even if it had taken a period of a period of time and then and then it ended with say an asteroidal impact somewhere around December of 2012. You know, if you started in earnest in the year 2000, it'd probably take about 12 years to really blow up the whole place and erase all the evidence of humanity. And a, a cometary impact would be a really great finale for that. Has a tendency sometimes to resurface the whole planet like nobody was ever there. Imagine that. And um, Planet of the Apes story. <laughs> and so it, it, but I think that the people looking for comets and Nibiru's and all kinds of things that are going to come smack into us and make it all be over, we changed our minds. And, and and they say, yeah, well, but this is a astronomy. And now, well, we created all of that. Exactly. It, it, you might say it's a collective agreement, so that's why, you know, one person can't just make a planet poof disappear. But well, I I think some of it, Rick, too, is is our our propensity to want it to be true for religious reasons, other kinds of reasons, that that an end is the only way that you're going to ever ever affect real change. Right. Is have an end, and yet uh, a new day it happens. It gets dark, and we we come out the other end with a new day. And it's really the tougher choice, to me. And right, and and it's. It's um yes, it's an it end out. of that end of that day in the beginning of a new era. Right. But it's not the end. <laughs> well, and I think we're you know when when you talk about the end of the world as we know it, there's certainly some things that I know in the world that I would love to see end. Uh, and uh, uh, I mentioned Cryon earlier. His most recent channel uh, was released almost immediately. Uh, in sound format, he releases virtually everything they do. He, the recordings are on the internet for free. But it was called "Time to Say Goodbye," and referenced one of the channel's favorite songs, which is uh, Andrea Bocelli and in the 
together with a soprano. Can't remember the soprano's name, but uh, called "Time to Say Goodbye," and it's in Italian and it's a love song. And people are like, "Why is it called Time to Say Goodbye?" And and but it's these people are singing about how much they love each other. And it the song is about if you talk to the composer, the song is about time to say goodbye to being alone, time to say goodbye to loneliness, and it's time. Well, it, it there's is. There's people. There's people. I admin. I'm an admin on a couple of different Ning's social network boards, but I'm a primary admin over at Starseed Four One One and dot org. And uh, we just had a fellow join. He's a rather prolific photographer, and you know that's all I'll say because you could do a quick internet search, you'd find him in a big pet hurry. And he's literally like found us doing Google searches and he's like, this is all nuts. I just like, but I know that I know. I, I, I just like woke up one day and I know that I know. And, and, and people would call me crazy. I don't even have anybody to talk to. I don't even, what the hell is going on? And there's more of that going on than people might be aware of. Um, there's a universal consciousness, isn't there, Rick? There's, there is, and 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 there is a little bit of truth to the hundredth monkey syndrome, and uh, I've likened it on a couple of shows to, uh, if anybody back in can remember back in their high school days, if you went to, if you studied any sort of science that had anything about physics at all, even just general science, since the nuclear age. There was a demonstration they always used to do about what's a nuclear chain reaction, what's a chain reaction. And they'd have a bunch of rat traps set up, like covering the floor inside of a, like glass, with some glass walls coming up about three, four foot. And on each one of the rat traps was two ping pong balls. And so they would start the whole thing by taking one ping pong ball and they'd toss it in there. And it would inevitably hit one of the rat traps, which would pop and throw two ping pong balls in the air, which would then fall and cause two to pop and forward go in the air. And it literally, you could, it it did it slow enough that you could see it. It it was kind of slow at first. It was pop, 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 pop. It was like popcorn popping in the microwave or Mm -hmm. even in a fry pan because then it just gets, and that's what I've told people it's like is that we're in that period when it's really accelerating. And there are literally people sitting up one day going, what the hell? Uh, you know, people ask me, I had a near-death experience in 2007. And they're like, you know, so you woke up different. Yeah, I did. But not horribly different. I had been a, a, a seeker before that. I just, you know, it was a little bit of a shortcut maybe. Mm-hmm. But that type of different, that that type of thing is literally happening to some people that I have spoken to in, in in the matter of like two or three days. And and so it very much for them is like going to sleep and waking up in a different world. And 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 they literally are like, there is no one I know I could talk to about this. And the truth is they probably know some people that have just had the same thing happen. All I got to do is look for the folks in the office with the thousand yard stare. But, but uh, <laughs> somebody but, that looks like some energy has crossed their mind. <laughs> yeah, like they're not quite there because there's mind is blown but um uh, that's why i say uh, everybody that listens to the show is part of the everyday connection family of life and 
and you're all way showers because just by being alive and not freaking out and because these people that are freaking out find us they just find us one way or another uh, people find me on i don't know how some of these people find me i don't ask i don't do market research like that or anything um uh, and uh but it's happening and uh and it's happening in a big way right so um and there are things that very much like this um, concept that I think are going to be happening over the course of the next, you know, four or five years, exactly. which is fast. That's really fast. Uh, yeah, we, I think it's going to it's going to happen around us that we don't really sense the day to day change. But it's like you're saying, all of a sudden we're going to realize that, that things are different in the world. That, that you start talking about stuff. You start seeing stuff like everywhere that you just, you really, it's hard to think about. But you try to think back a year ago, that would have been like nuts. <laughs> or at least many people, when they think back a year ago, they I wouldn't have talked like that a year ago because I would have been scared people would lock me up. But now people are just coming out with it. And um, uh, and I think we're going to see more of that. So uh, and and some of it may, you know, manifest as somebody getting a gun and shooting a whole bunch of people. Uh, well, I hope some not. of that. Some of that, Rick, is what makes us feel human to everyone else, and and makes us connect that connection. There, there that day, there were parents all over the world. Crying, yeah. It's, that had an instantaneous emotional connection to the parents. In exactly, and that's what we're really yeah. talking about. We're talking about breaking down our fears and the stereotypes and everything that, that goes on, our politics, our class, and we all resonate on the exact same feeling. When that happens, we have reached this consciousness that 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 people are are looking for and yearning for. And you're right. I think it's going to take some pretty major um, events to get us there. But we'll remember it a long time. A long time. I mean, Superstorm Sandy, you know, mm -hmm. Lower Manhattan. You had, Katrina. You had rich people and poor people standing right next to each other trying to figure out what the heck to do. And in that moment, the great equalizer has arrived because... That man's pocket full of credit cards ain't doing him no good. Pocket full of cash wouldn't believe any good. You got a bunch of guys from the ghetto sitting in somebody's penthouse because that's the only warm place. You know, it can happen. Oh, it, it and and did. You it know. did. And uh, people's brownstones with extension cords out front going, we got power, feel free to charge your cell phone. Um, you know, it... Uh, and that's the popcorn you're talking about. That little bit of stuff that starts growing to it's another starting person to, starting and to we boil you know yeah we get past race we get past all of these differences and realize that the human experience is the most important thing and and everybody uh, everybody is operating on a on a condition of their heart yeah their brain is not controlling them as much as their soul is i mean after this shooting there's two pro-gun people who said look we're going to have to do something and well, and the truth of the matter is, I hunted most of my life 
most of my early life, and and I never met a hunt, hunter one that takes a uh, an AR-15 out to hunt. Those are toys. <laughs> a pretty pretty bad shot if you got to get a rabbit that way. That's not what it's about. It's just not what it's about. And 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 so uh, they're starting to talk. A few a few politicians in Washington have started to talk about let's have a reasonable discussion about this, about maybe some reasonable controls. Well, and if the, con- if the controls do it, I mean, we've got laws in place. I was reading that Connecticut oh, yeah. has one of the strictest gun control well, policies and, and, already. And, and what gun control could they have put in that this this cat got all the guns at his mom's house? Yeah, he uh, he it, figures out a way to get around. And so the, she, you know, he could have had all kind of mental things going on. As long as she didn't, she was free to buy and own and carry around whatever she wanted. And uh, we don't know her last moments, but it could have been that he wanted to get her guns and she was standing in the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, may, he may not have been mad at her at all. He may have just been mad at the school. But you know, what are you doing? And and no, you're not taking those guns anywhere. And. Uh, uh, and of course, exactly. you know, what's he doing with a bulletproof vest? And and uh, but you know but anyway, we can't it, it, you can't it, legislate idiots off of this off of the planet. No, you can't fix stupid. And yeah. um, uh, but situations like this are giving people these people that are sort of nudging awake. They're giving them a very distinct, you know, yes or no. Is this exactly. what you want? And and. Um, you know, I, I well, I'm pretty stubborn, and, and and a lot of people in humanity are pretty stubborn. I I I channeled in the late '80s, mid '80s, and it kind of scared me. So I ran the other direction. I just acted like it. I acted like it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a, a friend, Frank Butterfield, that uh, channels, uh, been on a tour all around the country with his channeling. Um, he first channeled all those years ago and then went to corporate America and tried to act like it wasn't the deal. And then that fell apart. You know, same thing for me. It fell apart. I lost like a couple of three jobs in a marriage and, you know, it, it just doesn't, it's not supported anymore. Right. You come back to center <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's us, it's people. And uh, so, you know. Not everybody gets to have a near-death experience like me. The whole world would fall apart. So we have some of these things that can affect tens of thousands, and in modern media world, hundreds of thousands of people globally. And, uh, you know, there was – it's – I know we're just about to run out of time, but – Right. Well, I wanted to make one comment. You know, we were talking about about, uh, an understanding where all, all souls feel the same pain. All the islands come together in one solid continent when we have something like the Sandy Hook thing. When 9-11 happened, it was the same thing. Lee Greenwood stood up and sang, you know, God bless the USA, and everybody was part of it. Oh, yeah. There were people in the Middle East singing it that hate the (laughs) USA. Exactly. That day, day, they didn't. Everybody felt it. And and so what what we're talking about is that kind of love and, and, you know, pain. But... what happened as a result of that? When you really get right down to it, we started putting armed marshals, anonymous, on every, every every airplane. In spite of the TSA up front and everything else, we still put a guy on there that knows what he's doing. 
and any kind of disturbance, you find out who he is real quick. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we need in our schools and our hospitals. And it Somebody can't be the dumbest cop the wall on or... the beat no. because they come in and harass the kids. And they do this, and they, you know, you get the best cop, the one that loves them, or you get the teacher that loves children the most, and get them some special training, and they will do it. And they, and nobody knows, nobody knows who that is. But yeah. I guarantee you, and, and the first think, pop of somebody's gun, that guy is done. I think that you know? very rapidly we're we're going to move to a point where there just won't be people that will make those kinds of choices uh, because I people have gone happens. crazy. They will have gone crazy, died, otherwise left the time stream. But, um, so we have to have when something like that happens. Look, it, it's disturbing. It's heinous. It's just it is. Uh, I can be my higher self all day long, but I have a body, and and down here it's heinous. It sucks. And so you got to acknowledge that. You got to let yourself feel it. You can't deny it and be a light worker who always thinks right. good, uh, because the, otherwise it can't sink in and. And let you have whatever gift it has, and then be gone. It exactly it, you end up holding it right on top of your head, like the world on Atlas' shoulders. And mm-hmm. uh, so, acknowledge the pain, feel the pain, and we, then we have to be prepared. But we and have then to make have more more love while we're staying back, prepared. Somehow. Yeah, make your way back to center as quickly as possible, and try not to act until you get back to center. Exactly, because you'll you will make the wrong decisions, and I think that's what we're looking at in this sixth world that we're talking about. We're going to have a lot of a lot of people just instinctively get it, and and like you say, it may just die out the same. Yeah, it may just sort of fade away, and 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 sort of like you know, you say, well, how could a bunch of people leave the timeline? What haven't you ever known somebody that like everybody knew them? And and everybody nobody knows where they went. Everybody's just like, I wonder what happened to old so and so. They yeah, started well, concentrating on important things. Who knows? Uh, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily you don't right. you don't have to croak and have a funeral to get off the planet. You can just go. Uh, but we're going to learn that too. It's just that'll take a little while. I think that'll be a generational thing. But uh, exactly. But. Uh, that's why so many of the indigenous people talked about the next seven generations. Uh, mm-hmm. You look seven generations back, the world was a very different place. And uh, and we hope seven generations forward, it will be very different. Uh, be very different again still. And I, exactly. I think it has no way but to be. So listen, I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Uh, we've already talked about Thursday's show. Uh, please make it, even if you... Uh, you know, for those of you who might be in the chat room that have a radio show that comes up prior to that, uh, we probably run our whole two hours. I don't know. We run over time almost every time Stacy's with us anyway. And, and uh, you know, I, I, we do have an event on Facebook for this because, well, we can, another 26,000 years before we can say this again. So <laughs> New Age Eve, a party 26,000 years in the making. And uh, yeah. I've already had somebody post on the event wall that they've been waiting for this since before Lemuria. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, they've they've been they're very patient people. They're very patient people. <laughs> it's a process. So, uh, so thanks for being with us tonight. Thanks to all of our podcast listeners. You are you are legion, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, have a wonderful hump day tomorrow, and. Uh, 
remember the Black Mariachi. Exactly. Find out what that's going to do for you. ISBN 978-162-147-7334. Or come to everydayconnection.me and the links will be there by tomorrow morning. So thanks for being with us. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Join us on Thursday night. And until then, please stay connected. (laughs) Thank you. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection. biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.